advice going from Microsoft to startups. I recently connected with a new friend, Mike A. Mike is a member of a Microsoft community I started and had heard about my background and was interested in connecting about how he can best position himself for transitioning from the corporate world into startups. In our call, we discussed the following. How to know you're ready to leave corporate and go do a startup? How and where to find the best co-founders? How to find the best startup ideas? Should you start a business around COVID-19? How to find your tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs while still working the corporate job? What Seattle startup events should you be attending? What to do to not feel like an imposter at startup events when you haven't made the jump? How much progress on your idea should you make before making the jump? The most unintuitive thing I learned about raising venture capital, how to value your co-founders if you're coming into a later stage startup, and what specific type of person makes the best co-founder and how you can identify them. Listen to this conversation for some really great insights. Let's jump in. My mom is a nurse, and so um, have a, a very uh, firsthand experience to it. Um, she actually just found out she contracted it um, as well, and so she's been resting up uh, the last couple of days, uh, and hopefully she can nothing too major. Uh, she says she she's kind of got some of some of the non um, lethal symptoms, so she's not short of breath yet. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 a real thing. Crazy. I'm so sorry to hear that, dude. That's um, that's awful. Uh, prayers for your mom. I hope everything works out. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Man. My my mom's a doctor, uh, an ENT doctor, so she has to like look down people's throats and stuff all the every day, and she's very worried about it. But um, thankfully, she hasn't had any symptoms of it so far. Nice. That's yeah. That's good. It's yeah. Again, frontline workers and healthcare workers are. We're really uh, taking taking a bullet for the team here. Um, just hopefully there's. Um, I've been hearing reports of it being able to come back, but I'm hoping that's that's not the case. I'm hoping that once you've uh, beat it, you've kind of have got the worst behind you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, um, thank you for for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate yeah, that. Um, problem. I read, I, I saw one of your posts in that a young Microsoft group uh, a while back. And then I, I think it was about your startup. And I read about that and your story for a while and found it quite impressive. Um, and I'm hoping to eventually leave Microsoft and do a startup of my own. Um, kind of just at the beginning of that process, though, uh, tried a couple of startups with a friend part time and, and neither one of them worked out. Um, kind of back to square one right now in terms of finding a, a co-founder, finding a problem to solve and whatnot. So mm. I was hoping to just get some like perspective on what what your process for that was like and any advice that you might have for someone kind of starting out. Yeah, for sure. So for me, and again, it's mostly so I don't have to take notes while, I'm, while we're having this conversation. Um, yeah. For me, it was a very unique um, situation. Uh, so I think my advice or my, my my first comment there is it depends on the role in terms of, or it depends on what capacity you're going to a startup in terms of how you yeah. kind of come around it. Um, so for me, I'll give you background myself and I'll, I'll, I'll go into why I say that. Uh, for me again, okay. uh, software engineer at Microsoft. And so um, 
came in as CTO and technical co-founder. Uh, my co-founder, Kwame, had actually been looking for a CTO. I was uh, at Microsoft, had told myself I didn't want to be there no more than three years. And so I was coming up on my, uh, I was about two and a half years coming up on that three-year mark. And I was like, wanting to get back into startups. And so right around that time, uh, Kwame came knocking with the opportunity, um, pretty much um, had been, we had similar social circles um, and he had been searching for a CTO in his social circles and someone who was technical mentioned through my name in the hat. And so he came out and just kind of uh, searched for me and, and got in contact with me. And from there, um, we got a chance to connect um, around the problem, the problem space, et cetera. And I saw there was enough value in solving this problem that I thought it was uh, um, it was good to a good idea to leave Microsoft and go do that. Um, so that's my situation, and I guess kind of goes back to why I said it, it depends on what type of position you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. Um, for me, um, I've been both CEO and CTO and technical. I'm very uh, I guess I'm a technical executive is what I would say. Um, and so in that sense, I, I play both roles. Um, I knew I had the capacity. I spent almost three years at Microsoft, uh, specifically, um, how do I put this, uh, diligently trying to learn how to build scalable technologies, scalable systems. And so I knew I had the, the know-how and capacity to build something like this. And so, uh, for me, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of the opportunity of being the technical person to go build this thing. Um, and so one of the, that was one of the factors that that kind of gave me the confidence that hey I can go do this I had spent the time learning and building the skill sets that I knew I could do it so yeah yeah well, uh, just to give I you some resources that, that yeah. uh, he used to find me uh, co-founders lab is one so if you haven't heard of that definitely check that out and yeah. also just LinkedIn LinkedIn and, and co-founders yeah. lab are I think are the two main ones people are like sourcing for uh, yeah. co-founders and other opportunities that I've I've seen. Yeah, so uh, my situation, I guess I'm, I'm kind of similar to where you were at before you left Microsoft. I'm definitely um, heavy on the technical side. I'd say quite confident in my my abilities to um, build scalable technology and whatnot. Um, definitely my my weaker side is like the actual customer interviewing and that kind of thing. So hmm. at this point, I think I'm looking for like people that would be the business customer focused side. And in my last... Um, attempted a startup which didn't work out was a pretty similar situation to you uh where a friend approached me with something and then um we worked on it for a while and unfortunately it went south but um do you know how uh your co-founder and maybe yourself worked at getting your initial users or like the idea itself in the early days like how did your friend come uh come up with the idea before he even went to look for you yeah so this and this is different for everyone um obviously I can tell you're in you're in the process of sourcing for an idea. He yeah. his idea. So the idea for new came out of necessity. Kwame, my co-founder and CEO, was an Airbnb host who had scaled to like 20 properties through kind of rental arbitrage. He had got like um, 20 different apartments that he was able to rent out short term on Airbnb. And yeah. if you get to that scale, you need you need professional cleaning solution. You can't do it yourself. Um, and so initially, he started by trying to create a cleaning company to solve this problem for himself, and then also solve it for other Airbnb hosts, but then realized how quickly um, that can go south, employing cleaners as, having cleaners as employees, just because the job is very trans, um, trans uh, transient. Um, 
means you have a lot of turnover and it's just not a very scalable business. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a um, lifestyle business, not a scalable business. And so from that pivoted into uh, providing a marketplace that, that does the, the brokering. And so then brought me on board to help build out technology and facilitate the rest of that. So new initially went from a, a cleaning business, solely just a cleaning business into a tech enabled um, marketplace. And again, that was kind of out of necessity. Um, yeah. But I think to answer your question of, of how do you um, kind of come up with the idea and then the other component is how do you kind of validate it? Um, yeah. The best ways obviously are by organic problems that you have. Um, if you have a problem that you're just like, why hasn't someone solved this? That's, that's usually the best place to start. Um, beside that, um, looking at different markets and seeing uh, the first thing you want to address is the first thing you want to, especially if you're looking to build a venture scale business, first thing you need to have is a sizable market. If you solve a problem, but there's only 100 people that need your solution, it's only going to go so far. So you need to start looking at markets, emerging markets, developing markets um, that have a strong future and that potentially have a what's called a blue ocean or some new um, have room to grow in. Uh, so for yeah. example, 5G is a thing that's that's coming around. Not a lot of people yeah. have been tapping into that yet. Um, I haven't thought about ideas around 5G, but it's a good place to kind of sink your teeth into if you're trying to think of an idea yeah. to go build out. Um, so new technology waves, new crises like coronavirus, like there's a lot of new businesses being started around here. Yeah. Um, things like that are really good places to start looking. Obviously, uh, the virus is in a fad I say a fad in the sense that it's going to go away at some point, just yeah. by nature it has to. Um, but the the effects of what it has created um, will definitely be a lasting thing. And so if you think around ideas that um, could last beyond the coronavirus that have to deal with things that um, people are now doing, for example, remote work is a huge thing. Zoom has been huge and Google Hangouts has been huge as a result. Teams has been huge as a result. So yeah. more growth in those areas. If you can uh, tap, if you can find an idea or put your mind in, uh, use your mind to start thinking around ideas around remote work or um, working from home or um, things like that, that can be a place where you can find something, uh, a, a nugget, of, a kernel of something to, to work on. Yeah. Um, that's, that's good advice. Thanks. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I thought a bit about like Corona related stuff, um, but uh, that same thought of it being a fad, like you build something that like really works for like three months and then exactly and then suddenly then no one needs it anymore. Um, yeah. We'll definitely not yeah. build a business around just coronavirus, but you yeah. got to think long term. <laughs> yeah. um, it's definitely given light to new opportunities that people uh, hadn't thought of before or didn't really recognize. And so there's still, there's definitely value um, in thinking around coronavirus related ideas, but you just need to really make yeah. sure you're thinking long term how is that going to be impacted once coronavirus is actually a solved thing? Like, where's your business yeah. going to be able to go? For sure. Um, when you were still at Microsoft and having these thoughts of, um, I don't want to stay here past three years and that kind of thing. Um, what did you find most effective in terms of, I guess, like surrounding yourself with people that are of a similar mindset or getting into those um, proximity to people, like how you, you found your, um, found co-founder presumably through through some social group with like-minded people because I, I found that um, most people I meet and most of my friends um, just happen to be 
kind of averse to the idea of startups or of like ditching the, the corporate job? Yeah, I mean, that's where, that's the reason most people go to Microsoft to retire, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard exactly. place to get the other way from. And um, it is. And it's, I mean, there's no, I can't give you a simple answer for this one, quite frankly. Um, it's really just building your network of um, people interested in startups. Uh, I did yeah. a lot of things. Um, I'm by nature kind of a, a starter. Um, if there wasn't a group, then I created a group. Like whenever I, so my, when I interned at Microsoft uh, back in 2015, I started this, this, uh, there's a faux thing that I just, I started off the cuff. It was called uh, Seattle Startups and Spaces Tours. Uh, essentially, I put a call out to a bunch of interns saying, hey, I'm going to start managing, um, organizing tours around startups and different co-working spaces. Who is interested? And I got like 100 students or 100 people interested. And so from there, we, I just, I, I leveraged that cohort of people to start contacting different, I didn't even have the startups or spaces yet. I grabbed, I got interest and I said, hey, uh, I went to a bunch of different co-working spaces and a bunch of different startups and said, hey, I've got 100 Microsoft interns that are interested in like coming and touring your space and your business. Obviously, they, they saw value in being able to potentially poach Microsoft yeah. interns, et cetera. But I created that space for myself where I could network with people who are doing startup related or interested in startup related stuff. Um, you're currently already in the thing. So the best advice I'll give you right now is to just, it, it's kind of uh, it's harder during this time because most communities and uh, events yeah. have kind of gone hibernated um, just due to COVID. But the best way to do it would be to get connected to the Seattle startup ecosystem. There's a host of different events I can tell you about um, that you should definitely jot down for when uh, things pick back up. But um, one of them is Founders Live. It's a big one to definitely check out. It's uh, essentially happens once a month, the last Thursday of every month. Uh, five startups come and pitch their idea to a community crowd. And then the crowd votes on who is the best idea. So Founders Live, that's one. And then uh, New Tech Seattle. New Tech Seattle is another one of those pitch competitions. This one, there's no crowd voting. It's just you come pitch your idea and uh, you get some questions from like judges who are in the, who have been like assigned. And then, or so you take, you take crowd questions, but there's no like voting. You just take crowd questions and that's it. Um, another one to look into would be those are the two biggest ones um there's different organizations around um startups like wtia that you could also probably look into but some of these you need to be like doing a startup the challenge i always found uh in your case as i'm sure you're aware is like yeah. to be able to connect with startup people you like need to have some type of common ground which is like For a sure, startup yeah, or something yeah. and because or else it becomes really hard if you're working at microsoft and like trying to talk startup to people who are like grinding um i've yeah. been there i felt that um what I did was I just waited till like, again, I had that, that urge or I knew that I was really going to leave. Um, and then I started building those networks and, and engaging. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Um, get out there and just start talking and, and engaging with the community and, and uh, things will happen as a result. Um, but yeah, you got to get out there first. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, that's good advice. Yeah, I've, I've gone to a few of those, uh, those meetups um, in between the, the two startups that I tried. Um, and I, I did observe that exact problem you're talking about, like this kind of either people that have nothing or people that have quite a bit. And yeah, and there's not like a whole lot of middle ground between those. Yeah. Um, and, but again, that's that's the hard part with um, entrepreneurs by by um, by nature, just hard to find those type of people yeah. who are willing to kind of take the hard risks. And yeah. so the, the, the pool to pick from is very small. There's not a huge yeah. uh, place where you can just get to find a bunch of entrepreneurs, um, but leveraging digital 
um, uh, digital avenues and arenas like, again, LinkedIn and Co-Founders Lab are the two biggest ones I've kind of seen. Again, Co-Founders Lab, I would definitely advise you to check it out. I think um, I've seen, that's probably like the biggest, if not next biggest place where like people, not in Quora too, Quora is actually a decent side, but um, Co-Founders Lab, I think has been the most, I, I've been reached out to by a lot of people on there about like being a potential uh, co-founder for things. Obviously I can't do that now because I'm busy with my own thing, but um, yeah. definitely check that one out. For sure. Um, and one other thing, when you were uh, like making the decision to leave Microsoft, how much yeah. progress had you guys made at that point? Like, did you have funding or were you just kind of living off savings for a bit? Yeah, the funny thing about that one. Um, yeah, man, so being a technical co-founder and being a technical person, I'm sure as well, you've probably been hit up by people who are like, want you to work on their idea with them or something. Um, I get yeah. those a lot. So I, I put a high premium on execution and traction. So before I engaged with uh, the new team about potentially coming on, I didn't know that like they had done something and weren't just looking for me to build the whole thing and then yeah. like be the slave labor. Um, and so, yeah. and so uh, I put a high premium on traction and I was very surprised like what really sold me on top of the problem space was just the fact that like they had already done um, close to, I think 80K in gross revenue. So they had had a service in market and people were leveraging it and people were buying it. They oh, just wow. didn't have the technology yeah. to facilitate yeah. it. And so me coming in, um, and this was all bootstrap, so no, no funding, none of that. Me coming in, yeah. I was like, all right, well, if I can build the technology, we can easily go to market and get um, get investors and be able to be funded, et cetera. Fast forward two and a half years, <laughs> we have still not raised around, largely due to our success, which is counterintuitive. This is something I'm going to give you because I didn't know this going into it. Yeah. Um, investors, investors, early angels like to bet on a founder and an idea. But once you yeah. have an idea and service and you have traction, then the next milestone is growth. You have to show significant growth before they'll bet on you. So we were in that stage of like, we've already proven the idea. We have a business model that works. We know it yeah. works. Now we're being asked to like show hockey stick growth. And that was like the biggest yeah. challenge. Without money, we have struggled to grow because everything um, we're putting back into the business. Um, yeah. But there's just not a lot of uh, capital to go like provide, try new strategies and experiment. Um, so the counterintuitive thing that I learned in this experience was that like actually having traction, which again is good for being a co-founder, understanding of the business has traction, uh, is a is a detriment to raising around because investors will need to see growth if you have traction. Whereas if you have just an idea and a team, then and you have some like previous background having done startups then you're more likely to actually like get funded, which is again, crazy, like mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah, I never would have thought that. So is it kind of like you guys have to go straight to like a series A and- you Pretty much, kind of well, we have to show, seed. yeah, we, we still have to do a seed. We don't have to go to series A straight, but we still have to do a seed. But the problem is our seed valuation or the metrics that people are judging us for our seed are the metrics they'd be judging most on a series A. I it's see, like, yeah. we're, we're having to show more traction to get the same that people with just an idea and a team might get. Yeah. I'm sure COVID, in a lot of ways like, it's a, oh, yeah, oh, I bet COVID, yeah. I'm sure in a lot of ways it's a good problem to have in that like yeah. you at least have a sustainable <laughs> you would business think so. going on. You would think so. I mean, it is in a sense, yes, we have a business. 
but it's just again it's so counterintuitive to me and i'm just like what the hell like why because again you would think that people would bet on the business that has traction has customers that's shown they can sell um but no it's it's actually quite the opposite so take that to mind uh definitely let that marinate in because it was something that like once i learned i was like fuck like our success is our downfall essentially I never would have thought of something like that. That's a, I appreciate you telling me that. Um, yeah. No worries if this is like too personal of a thing to ask, but uh, because of your um, co-founder presumably already having a team and whatnot going, did that mean that you had a significant reduction in the amount of equity that you're able to get for that? Um, no, not in the sense that like they didn't offer me equal. Um, I, because of the traction they had already uh, built, I came in with the uh, knowledge that I didn't want to take away from what they've already built and what they've already been able to do yeah. and accomplish. And so I came in under uh, like 50-50 splits um, because I knew that like, he had already built something going along and I was here to um, enhance it and take it further, but like he'd already done a lot of work. Um, so I wanted to make sure that he felt that the work he had put in in the last, because he had been working on it for a year before bringing me on yeah, and coming sense. to find me. Uh, he was valued for that work. That makes sense. But if you're obviously starting something together from scratch, then it's, it makes no sense to do that. So 50 Yeah, yeah. That was actually like, why our my most recent thing um, fell apart with kind of a nasty little legal dispute because the other guy mm-hmm. thought that he deserved to have uh, more, um, but then we also didn't even have a customer yet. So it's kind of different. <laughs> Yeah, if you're running into those type of issues, then yeah, it's best to walk away before you even have a customer. You need someone who is definitely going to be, how do I put this, not only um, a hard worker, but they're going to be able to like be honest about like what they deserve and making sure that to give everyone due credit. Um, I think the biggest way to find that type of person is you can find someone with empathy and um, a sense of, of, that's a good word. A sense of humbleness. If you can find someone that's humble, that's a person. That's usually a good person that will will be um, a good co-founder because they're gonna value their self appropriately and understand like not trying to devalue. Like understand like everything they're doing is for the business in in general, but they're also gonna make sure that like everyone gets their fair due. Yeah, that makes sense. I think if there's anything else I, I wanted to ask, but I think that that's all the things I had written down. Um, cool. But yeah, thanks a lot, man. This is a uh, very helpful um, and uh, best of luck with, with making everything work with new, uh, yeah, despite the, the virus. Yeah. Man, I'm just yeah, curious. Man. Yep. Had your, um, your co-founders, I, I assume if he was owned like 20 properties, he had some significant wealth. So was he able to like self-fund a bit of it at the beginning? No, like I said, actually, again, we've been bootstrapped. We've only taken 90K year to date in uh, angel investment from one person. And then we've won, uh, he's a tremendous pitcher. And so we've won a bunch of pitch competitions that granted us, that did us around, um, I want to say another 65K in, in uh, oh, no, nice. no, uh, no strings attached funding. Um, but no, outside of that, like, so he leveraged rental arbitrage to like get these properties. So he wasn't wealthy in the sense that um, he went and bought these things outright, but he more or less just signed a lease under his name and then would rent it out on Airbnb and just make the oh, difference. Gotcha. Yeah, That's that all he was sense. doing. Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really a wealth thing, but he was just very smart about it and was able to um, create a really good income through that. Uh, but ultimately, once Airbnb laws started becoming more stricter, that was no longer a thing. And so uh, went full on into new. And so we're both yeah. full time in this. Um, he's going on uh, close to three and a half years, if not four. And then I'm, I'm at three. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. So the, the original um, the arbitrage thing that, that showed him the problem became uh, like prohibited Legal. by Airbnb? Oh, so well, then, by the city, by what? the council, by, by oh, Seattle. Then. Seattle doesn't allow um, uh, short-term renters to be able to do that anymore. You have to own the property that you are renting now. And Does most that affect your, picked up the same. that affect your customer base then if, if suddenly people aren't allowed to do that anymore? No, actually, uh, it was actually good for us because of the fact that uh, the customer, the ideal customer for us is someone who treats their Airbnb as a, as a full-time business. And we want more of those. So all those people uh, are now having to like stick to one property. So now if you're coming to Airbnb, you need to treat it as a full-time business. Like it, it's no longer, people can't like, you can't rent your apartment out anymore in Airbnb in Seattle. Like that's, that's illegal technically. Um, you have to own the space or get buy-in get like written consent from the owner that you can rent the space out on Airbnb. Um, so it's made more, it's made pretty much more hosts our target customer. That law made more hosts our target customer. Uh, well, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, thanks again, dude. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to say to me or any, any last advice? No, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to chat. Um, appreciate you reaching out. Uh, I would just say like my website's probably the most updated if you're going to like find anything updated on me definitely check that out um but yeah always happy to to um provide advice and, and chat more i'll send you a recording i'll send you a link to this recording too oh i appreciate it yeah i, I may reach out to you um in the future for more advice because it's been uh it's, it's definitely hard to find um like experienced uh startup people yeah in this area again, so far just, yeah again just finding finding that that tribe it's again it can be hard but happy yeah. to, to provide any resources or anything that can make it easier for you. Sweet. I appreciate that. And uh, um, best wishes for your mom. I hope that everything everything works out. It, yeah, it's man. good that she doesn't have any of the bad symptoms or anything. Yeah. Again, appreciate that. Prayers, please. For sure. All right. Have a good one, man. All right, man. You too. Cheers, Mike. See you.